Hello, hello, hello. I am your Mary Berry, hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood. To lick it right, lick it good, show you how to... Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. goosebumps. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the mostess, Munoz. And how y'all doing? Folks, in your mouth, listeners, what an epic October it has been. New York Wine and Food Festival this past weekend. If you're following me on the Instagrams, on the interwebs, at West 42nd Street, on Instagram as well. I did an Instagram takeover for them. It was epic. You would have seen it all. I am just so happy that... You know, the ball keeps rolling into some semblance of us getting back to uh, what I'm calling a new normal because obviously, you know, things are still happening out there, but like we're able to be together and like just it was just an epic, epic weekend of food and drink and connecting with all sorts of past in your mouth guests. Uh, you know, Dr. Jay Goldstein of Chop Happy, David Bertka at that uh, drag brunch. Shout out to you and shout out to all the people who work behind the scenes at New York Wine and Food Fest. They do an incredible job. It's a massive a massive, massive undertaking. I don't know how they all do it, but shout out to you and shout out to all of you out there for supporting me and inviting me to all these events. I can't thank you enough. Other than that, we are trucking along. Halloween is around the corner, and then you know what it is, folks. And the news is just reporting shortages after shortages, and I just don't want to think about it. So I'm just going to get to the getting on because today's guest is quite epic and is part of of the gay liberty family. So without further ado, in your mouth listeners, please help me welcome the one, the only chef, Chris Tucker. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you, love? How are you? Thanks for having me. No, thank you for, for giving me of your time because, honey, she is busy out there <laughs> in them streets. <laughs> Um, just to piggyback, you guys, honest, you look like you had the best time at New York Food and Wine Fest this past weekend. So, yes, hats off to everybody out in those streets of New York just keeping that ball rolling in the food scene. Yeah, honestly. And, I mean, uh, all sorts of people just flying in from everywhere. Shout out to Chris Valdez, who I'm still trying to get on this podcast. In your mouth, listeners, go slide into his DMs and be like, can you hurry up and come on the pod already? But we're not here to talk about him. We are here to talk about you. But before we get to the getting on, in the grand tradition of In Yo Mouth, I need to wish you happy National Brandied Fruit Day. Yes. Um, I guess we can get into that <laughs> because we are in the holiday spirit. So we can get into that. Fall At least falls in the air. Yeah. I mean, brandied, brandied fruit? Yeah. Really? That's giving me I mean, a lot of like fruitcake vibes. It it I I guess I've never worked with brandied fruit, but you are you are a baker extra, extraordinaire. Are are we are we using brandied fruit? Is that a thing? 
It's de- I mean, it's definitely a thing for, I would say, people who are more into, like, old school baking. But it's it's probably, you know, there's pro- it's probably one of those ingredients that you would find some chefs doing a twist on old, an old classic. Like, there's always people putting their own new flair on something like a fruit cake. So branded fruit. What'd you call me? Fr- right, exactly. Branded <laughs> fruit and fruit cake. Um, so I'm sure there are some amazing pastry chefs out there who are putting their their new um, twist on an old classic like something like that. Yeah, um, you, I just had a flashback to this restaurant that I used to work in many, many moons ago. And they had a jar that this like long skinny jar of brandy cherries for, you know, their cocktails. And we used to steal them all the time. And they'd always be like, who's eating the cherries? These are so expensive. Meanwhile, it was just like me getting lit in the back off of brandy cherries. (laughs) Right. One of my um, one of my good girlfriends, she actually owns a place in New Zealand, and it's they start doing brandied fruit. I think in um, early early September, they start doing all of their brandied fruit uh, in prep for December. So I know, like overseas, it's still really big. It's still a thing to do. All of your holiday cakes with brandied fruit. Um, yeah, you know. yeah. Um, it's like it's like that Jamaican rum cake, the black cake that uh, they uh, they start making months in advance, and then they just keep pouring rum over it. So like this cake is like three months old and just soaked in rum over months. Have you have you ever had that? I've never had it, but I've heard of it, and I heard you can you can light yourself up <laughs> off of a slice of it. It's one of them knock your socks off sort of deals. Well, you know, in your mouth, listeners, no matter what you celebrate out there, if it's a brandied fruit or just being a fruit, I don't, I don't know. We celebrate you on this day. We're I don't here, know. We're, we're here for it. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're, we're here for it. And moving right along into this day in gay history, Chris, did you know that in 1976, Ads appear in The Advocate for Gay Weekend, a board game in which players try to accumulate as many tricks as possible. <laughs> well, that kind of sounds like West Hollywood. So I could, I, you know, I can get on board with that because where I'm from, that's, that's just like every weekend. So um, I did not know that little, that little, uh, that little um, tidbit of history, but that's interesting. I think that's the weirdest this day in gay history I've had to date, actually. Usually they're, like, a little serious or, like, giving you, like, high politics or something. <laughs> this is what it is, gay weekend. And, I mean, who says who says you can't still be living your hot girl summer, but, like, now it's, like, uh, you know, tepid girl fall or something like that? <laughs> right. Go out there and get yourself, uh, you know, an old copy of Gay Weekend. We honor you and the advocate on this day. But I would really want to get to the getting on. And in your mouth, listeners, if you don't know, and you probably, and I really actually do mean, you probably already do know. Growing up with flour on his nose and always wearing a grease-splattered apron, the kitchen was a place of comfort and acceptance for Chef Chris Tucker, founder of Better with Butter, a fabulous allergen-conscious bakery, Chris has been seen on TV in la- in the last season of ABC's The Great American Baking Show, on Inside Edition, California Live, ABC's On the Red Carpet, and was recently featured in Cosmopolitan Magazine for Pride Month. Chris believes that he can bake the world better one bite at a time. His journey to being fully vegan has been a long but fruitful one. Dare I say a brandied fruitful one? (laughs) This has allowed him to draw on his experience in the kitchen and veganize any recipe. Chris's goal is to show people that you can have all the things you love and enjoy, but he can show you how to make them vegan. There's nothing we can eat as herbivores that we once ate as carnivores, he says. Welcome, Chris. Yes, thank you, thank you. And yeah, I'll, I'll second that brandied fruit. <laughs> I love that. Well, 
you know, In Your Mouth is a celebration of LGBTQ people in the food space, and you are the perfect personification of that. And I always like to start at the very beginning and talk about the love of food and where that comes from. You know, like, where does your love of food come from? I grew up in the kitchen. I really did. My my one set of grandparents, they actually owned a restaurant in um, North Georgia. And so I spent a lot of my early like development um, years as a child in their restaurant and just kind of learning in the kitchen and working with the little old country women that were back there chopping up vegetables for the salad bar. And, you know, I, I really just got um, this fascination with food from a really young age and it just stuck with me. Um, my other grandma from my mom's side was an avid baker. And so I learned all of my savory stuff from my one set of grandparents and then my baking skills from my other set of grandparents. And so I grew up kind of just having this inspiration all around me. And um, it just it just stuck as I got older. Yeah, I love that. And why? Well, what made the baking stick as opposed to the savory cooking stick? Yeah, I think that a lot of... A lot of things that happen in baking are really they're they're really chemically reactive. There, it's a lot more about science. It's a lot more about you know mathematically being correct and you know your portions of of fat to sugar to flour being accurate. And you know a lot of people can cook well. Um, a lot of people can go in the kitchen and really start to play with flavors and develop and develop recipes and cook well. But it takes a really, it takes a really, um, I would say, different skill set to become a baker, especially a vegan baker, because you are, you're having to be more precise with the recipes that you develop. So I really focused there um, only because I knew that the the chef side of things would really fall into place if I could hone in on the baking side first. Yeah, and uh, we all know, or for the most part out there, that like baking is super, super technical, and you have a past life as in hair, do you not? Right. Yeah, I do. Also, also super, super technical. So okay. it's really, it's really. Do you find that your like skills have transferred over into? <laughs> from one to the other? Yeah, you know, if you think about it, when, um, you know, I originally moved out to Los Angeles from Florida to go to hair school because, you know, I had this idea of becoming a hairstylist and I don't know where that came from. It it, it, it was part of my journey. Yeah. Um, but even in hair school and then later working in the salon, when you're mixing color, you have to be very precise and you're using a scale and you're working with exact measurements. And so it's a lot like creating a recipe. Um, you know, it was in hair school that I learned what different colors on the, you know, the the color wheel counteract each other and cancel each other out. So now when I'm working with buttercreams, for example, when making a cake, I know like if I'm seeing yellow in something, but I want it to be a pure white, I can add a little bit of purple and it's going to get rid of that. And so that's a skill that came from hair school that transfers over into baking. Uh, that's so interesting. And actually, this wasn't on my roster of questions to ask you. <laughs> it just kind of popped into my head, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know how many hair school slash baking questions you're out there answering for the children. Because <laughs> 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 it's a very odd connect. But I was like, I wonder, like, well, what skills transfer over? Because it's all art in a, in a sense and very technical art. And so that's kind of where that came from. <laughs> no, it's very true. And there's other things too, like, you know, hair cutting is all about working with shapes of and the proportions of someone's face to the the shapes that you're cutting in the hair. And it's very similar when yeah. you're thinking about, you know, uh, shaping a cake or shaping, you know, some kind of um, 
structural um, piece for, you, you know, any type of display. So there's a lot that transfers, yeah. ironically. So it's a great question to ask. Yeah, I just, you know, it. Uh, the wheels, my gears are turning. And yeah, I guess it's all about balance and precision across the board. Um, yeah. I would ima- I would imagine, and we don't know each other in your mouth, listeners, as as I don't know most of my guests, and I'm honored to have them on here. But Chris, I am a self-taught baker myself, and for a very short time in my life, I was making custom cakes, out wedding cakes, all self-taught till I realized I hated, I hated it and my life. <laughs> <laughs> Because it is not easy by any stretch of the imagination, so it's really it's really admirable just to know what goes into that and like and the patience it takes, right? Because yeah. I like the patience, precision, balance that it takes is just so admirable. And then you're adding this layer of veganism onto it, which I mean is is next level. What made you decide to take on a vegan journey? So. Um, my vegan journey started a long time ago, back when, you know, this restaurant I speak of was still around and I was just a wee lad. Um, I was up there with my dad. It was, it was around, I believe Thanksgiving one year and I was seventh or eighth grade. And we came back from Georgia because again, I lived in Florida and we were both sick. We had the flu or something. And so we went to the doctor and I weighed in at 220 pounds and I was in seventh grade. And so I knew at that point, like in my brain, I left that doctor's appointment saying to myself, that's not, that's not right. Like you shouldn't be in seventh grade. I'm not a tall person. I'm like five, eight, five, nine. 220 pounds just doesn't seem healthy. It doesn't seem like it should be what a child of my age weighs. And so at that point, I made like my own decision to start doing some research. I cut out red meat and pork. And so I just started eating fish and chicken. And so that was my journey for many years until I went just to fish, eventually down to being a vegetarian. And then it was in the last two years that I went full vegan. And I was hanging on to this notion that um, a baker could not be like, how are you going to be a baker and be vegan? Like you need your butter, you need your dairy, you need your eggs. Like, so I was hanging on to this notion that I couldn't go all the way vegan. And it was a documentary that I saw um, called What the Health. And I was just like, oh, I have to do this from a personal aspect. And the rest of it's just going to fall into place. And so when you're developing recipes, you have to be able to taste your product to know how the texture is, how the sweetness is, and compared to, you know, the other flavors in the recipe. And so it was one of those things where my recipes just had to turn vegan so I could develop them properly. And so my business just naturally evolved into a vegan, um, a vegan bakery as well. We were already allergen conscious because we were gluten free, um, but it, we went the full way just because of my personal lifestyle choices. Yeah, that's a, that's really incredible. And talk about like not only like a journey to health, but like a weight loss journey, and then and then obviously figuring out how to make the most delicious of, you know, vegan baked goods, because I'm sure most of the listeners out there are like, oh, no butter, no, you know, no dairy, no buttermilk, not like, how is he making all of that happen? And I mean, there's actually vegan chocolate chip cookie dough in my fridge right now. Um, Believe it or not. You know? Yeah, it's, uh, it's out there and it, and it's completely possible and, and delicious. And, um, Former former podcast guest. I don't know if you're if you're friends, but Dustin Harder, the vegan roadie, right? Yeah. Author of like Epic Vegan and whatnot, has been on here to uh, to school me on all the vegan things and has been trying to pull me over to the other side as well. Yeah. <laughs> as we will, that you know, that's that that we will do. Yep. We will try to pull. Uh, uh, yeah, listen, I am not opposed. I am not opposed. I just. 
I, I, I just love it too much, right? But we're yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I already, like, limit a lot of things in my life as is, you know, yeah. the, uh, along with the gay body dysmorphia of it all. And, and like, yeah, and the di- constant dieting and no carbs, uh, you know, the, yeah. the vodka soda and Tic Tac lifestyle. I mean, exactly. <laughs> cotton balls on occasion. Cotton balls on occasion. On occasion, if I'm really hungry. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Speaking of journeys, and I'm pivoting just a little um, here, but like, you know, we're, we were talking about your journey to veganism and like this weight loss journey, and you've had a lot of change in your life. Um, you know, that was self-influenced and, and quite amazing. May I ask what coming out was like along that journey too? Because these are major changes you were you were making. And then I feel like the road to self-discovery not only is a change, but also is is something major. You know, like I feel like it's major change after major change. What was that like for you? So my coming out story was kind of it was really interesting. You know, I'm, I say I'm from Orlando because that's the most well-known area, but I'm actually from about a half hour outside of Orlando from this smaller town called Apopka. And, um, it's very, very Southern. Um, the people are very warm. I wouldn't say like it's, it's a scary place to grow up or anything like that. It, it, It was a warm community. Um, I did, have a girlfriend for most of high school, like, you know, most gays did. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And, but I, I, I did come out in high school. I came out um, like in my senior year of high school. And it was one of those things that I met a guy. He was much older than I, he was a little older than I was, not much older. He was in his 20s. And, I um, started spending the night at my sister's house because she's older than I am. So I would spend the night at my sister's to have time with my boyfriend. And we would, you know, go out to a local gay bar that didn't card on Sunday nights. And, you know, I was really starting to have more of a gay lifestyle at, uh, you know, the young age of 18. And I was still in high school. And my mom just kind of caught on at one point and asked my sister, like, why is your brother always so eager to spend the night at your house? And she couldn't answer that. Like, she just said, you're going to have to talk to him about it. And so my mom actually came to me and um, she asked me, she just asked me and it was, you know, it was hard for my parents at first. I was, I was raised Southern Baptist. Um, we, we are no longer Southern Baptist. My family did move out of the Southern Baptist church. Once I came out, um, I did go to, you know, one counseling session. They were like, can you, can you go? And if you don't like it, you never have to go back. And it wasn't any type of like, shock therapy it was literally just going to a counselor to talk through like are you sure this is because I had had a girlfriend I think there was a lot of them that was confused um but you know nowadays my mom I'm married my mom loves my husband like she spends three weeks with us every like six months like she comes out from Florida and you know we have a great relationship with the rest of my family and of course, being from the South, there's still members of my family that don't fully support my lifestyle, don't fully understand. But, you know, as an adult, you realize that you don't have control over other people's thoughts, other people's agendas, other people's beliefs. And um, you also get to create your own family. You also get to create who um, gets to... Um, have the opportunity of your time in life. And so um, those are the people that I know love and support me for who I am. And um, yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. And thank you, first and foremost, thank you so much for sharing. And secondly, this is the part of my job that I really, really love because every week I get to come on here and talk to incredible people in the food business, um, queer people in the food business that don't necessarily have this platform. Some have even less of a platform than you do, right? Because, you know, you have been blessed to be out there and compete on an amazing television show. And, you know, your ball, your ball is really rolling for you. But 
we as a lot of queer people in the food space that's obviously hyper-masculine, male-dominated, don't necessarily have this platform to tell their stories so that others can hear it and and see the glow up and see how we're influencing change in what is a really major business. We are the tastemakers. I say it all the time, you know? Right. We are the tastemakers. We are the influencers, right? Instagram and social media aside. And... And so hearing the stories from behind the scenes and and no matter what they are, because I don't qualify coming out stories here, um, and seeing that glow up is is quite beautiful and really important to hear because we never know who we can affect. So I want to say thank you very much for sharing that with us. Yeah, it's very important. I think, you know, if you can, if if one person who is struggling with, you know, maybe just being honest with themselves or being honest with their loved ones or having a rough time with their loved ones, like, I think it's such an important thing for, for us to talk about as a community, just to share with one another. That way, um, maybe somebody doesn't have to go through what we went through. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, people come on here. Uh, with stories of, my mom loves me, it was great, right? Like, I came out, and then we went to the club. And that's and that's great, too, because people need to hear that as well. Also, also the journey of weight loss, we've heard uh, time and time again on the pod, which is really, really important because of society, especially gay society, <laughs> right? And the gay body dysmorphia of it all. The journey to finding finding what health means to you, and obviously veganism for you yourself, also important to hear, right? And it all kind of culminates under this food umbrella, which what we I, I've read that you say it, I say it all the time. Food is like, you know, the, the great equalizer, right? We all can gather around food. We all, it's something that we can all understand and that all these major moments happen. Like, this is a major moment happening between you and me over food, you know? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Exactly, 100%. Absolutely. And so I just think it's really beautiful, and it really warms the cockles of my heart uh, during this fall. <laughs> <laughs> during the brisk weather in New York. That's right. Just that, Well, it actually hasn't been that brisk, you know? I'm really waiting for sweater weather, and Mother, yeah. Nature, Mother Nature ain't giving it to me, but I'm living for this like kind of San Francisco-esque sort of vibe New York has given me at the moment. So yeah, it's just beautiful all around. And I really wanted to say thank you. I also want to say that now I think would be the best time to introduce you to my favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the podcast, Chris. A little something we like to call... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Food news update. Food news. Food news. Ooh, honey, you ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. News update. Italian mobster opens organized crime-themed burger joint and charges prosecutors double. <laughs> oh. I mean, along with this day in gay history, uh, Food News Update is really ridiculous this week. <laughs> I might kind of be here for this, though. Yes. Um, I don't think I've ever talked about it on the podcast before, but I used to work for a family that was of a certain persuasion early on in my um, hospitality waiter career and we'll get into that but thank you food and wine uh, for this article this week and always keeping me in the know not a sponsor but keeping me up to date with my food news there is a new burger joint that opened in the suburbs of Rome and um, it's not particularly newsworthy but this clearly isn't normal circumstances normal circumstances since the owner of Buzzy's Burgers is a convicted murderer, drug trafficker, 
and well-connected Italian mobster. <laughs> I mean, I don't really think anything these days. Like, everybody needs to put their money somewhere, and it's called cleaning the money, you know? Like, that's what it is. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly, it's just cleaning the money. I often wonder, because uh, as we all know, I live in 120 square feet in Times Square, and yet another, a brand new, one of those souvenir shops, and it's massive, opened up across the street from my apartment. And it's always empty, along with all the rest of them, because we're, we're just coming out of this pandemic. So, like, tourists are just coming back. How are you keeping the, the rent must be astronomical. So I don't know how many little Statue of Liberties you're selling to keep that place open, kind sir. <laughs> what else right. is happening there? Yeah. But uh, she's washing the money. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly, <laughs> yes. So Pussy's Burgers is filled with references to the mafia and other criminals. There are sandwiches named for the organized crime dramas Gamora and Sabora. Uh, while hot dogs, burgers, and even the salads are named after various bosses and members of the Banda della Maglia criminal organization. Uh, the pricing structure also varies based on how Buzzy feels about certain professions. In this club, everyone pays, friends, relatives, and acquaintances, he said. But pro prosecutors pay double and judges pay triple. <laughs> Listen, okay. the priests, the, the Catholics, and the government are up in arms about what this promotes in Italy, and they're trying to, like, all, get it all shut down. But apparently it's not working. But I just found this hysterical. It is pretty funny. Like, it is pretty funny. Oh and God. kudos to them for an original idea. Uh, absolutely. He uh, he apparently just got out of jail and they're trying to put him back in. So he was like, you know what? May, let me make my the most of my time while I'm right. outside. <laughs> let me get these coins washed up really quick, allegedly, and uh, allegedly yeah. go back to jail before allegedly anything else happens. Yes, it's the Wendy Williams. How you doing? Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, Chris, in the early 2000s, I used to work in this place where all sorts of nonsense used to happen. Uh, so much so that there were headlines about it. And, you know, I got a grand education from, from the owners of this joint, and it no longer exists. But you know what? I did learn the positive of it all because they treated me very, very, very well. The positive of it all, in your mouth, listeners, there was family meal, right, which is the staff meal before um, you start your shift. We all had to be present for family meal. And it was one of the most epic family meals out of my 23-year on-and-off career in hospitality. Um, they cooked the house down or, like, they'd send somebody to Philadelphia to get uh, these massive, like, Philadelphia hoagie sandwiches from so-and-so's family restaurant. It was epic. Wow. Yeah. Um, so there was, like, a lot of, like, the positive of it all was a lot about family and taking care of each other and looking out for each other in that kind of sense. I also, like, learned how to bartend from them and how to make killer martinis and killer espressos. So... <laughs> Well, the one takeaway that for your listeners, Michael, needs to be if you have a staff and you're not providing family meal, you really should. Like, it's a great way to thank your employees for doing well and running, you know, your business yeah. good. And also, it's a great, like, little bonding moment before shift starts. Absolutely, because 90% uh, of these restaurants out there, especially in this city, are serving you a shitty family meal. And you know what? Like, I don't understand why restaurants out there are feeding you all these carbs and these this crappy fried food before I start a, a 8 to 12 hour shift, you know, right. of running around. You're just going to tire me out. And it's not cute, and it's not healthy, and it just doesn't really promote um, anything. But on the flip side, I think we're here for Buzzy's Burger. Yeah, I think we're here for it. Absolutely. A British bakery had to shut down temporarily for using illegal American sprinkles. <laughs> I picked this one out just for you. <laughs> I love this one. Did you know that 
American sprinkles are illegal in the UK. I just found that out today. Okay, so I did know this. They're also illegal in Australia and New Zealand. There, there are several places, and that should be more alarming to us Americans. Well, that, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, they're in your mouth, listeners. They're illegal because they contain E one two seven, a food coloring, which uh, the UK doesn't allow in any product other than cocktail cherries and candy cherries. So yep. that's why that's why they're illegal um, to set out. So Get Baked Bakery in Leeds, England, wrote a Facebook post announcing that it would be closing for a day because it needed to conduct staff training to get some important stuff done. And apparently they use these sprinkles on their famous uh, cake slices and their fa- their famous cookies that are their biggest sellers and apparently the the owner of the said bakery was like the sprinkles in the UK taste like crap and it's unfortunate that I can't use these sprinkles and there isn't a substitute out there for them so if I may add they so the sprinkles over there they actually will like if you're making a funfetti cake per se, and I'm I don't know this bakery, but I would imagine this cake slice is something similar to a funfetti cake. But your sprinkles actually will melt into your batter instead of staying whole like they do here in the States. And it's all because of the way that's processed. And so they basically will just fold into your mixture and act like a, a an additional sugar source. And so it just it ruins the batter, basically, and it it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. But again, it's outlawed because of the chemicals that that we use here that they don't allow over there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is I, crazy. It is crazy. I mean, but we all know that America is trying to poison us slowly with high fructose corn syrup and every other chemical on the map. Slowly and fast, all at the same time. Through our food. Um, Apparently, um, this man, whose name is Rich Myers, who owns Get Baked, said he was just buying them from a wholesaler in the UK. And uh, he goes on to, and he's quoted to uh, saying, to whoever reported us, to trading standards. All I have to say is, dear Lord, what a sad little life, Jane. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I'm assuming sprinkles are vegan, right? It's only sugar. uh, Are they not? Is there like gelatin or something in them? Crazy? It's not gelatin, but there can be, some can be made with egg whites. And then there's also, um, there's also some chemicals that are not vegan which they can be made with as well. So you have to be, um, you have to actually look at sprinkles to make sure that one chemical isn't in there. It's like L something, but um, it's, I believe it's either made with fish guts or um, human or animal hair. Oh, great. That's probably why they don't allow it in the UK. Oh. (laughs) Enjoy that fun fetty cake, you American listeners. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Says says the former hairstylist, right? Yeah, exactly. As as he's sending clippings to like the yeah. the American <laughs> Food Association. <laughs> yeah. For for sprinkles. Ew, I am not here for this. I'm on to move on because that just got real yeah. gross. Yeah. And last but not certainly not least, Heinz knows you use ketchup as fake blood, so now they're selling Halloween makeup kits. I mean, Heinz, are are we that desperate? Right. I'm not here for this. This is another big company needing to grab at somebody else's money. I mean, are we not? I, I, I mean, you're doing just fine, right? And so we just had another Heinz food news update that they uh, started to roll out a, a ketchup roller, like a packet roller that you to get every last drop of ketchup out. And it's like... I feel like we're grasping at strings here for a company that's doing just absolutely fine. Ketchup is going nowhere, especially Heinz ketchup. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, no. I'm not. (laughs) Chris is like, 
Chris is like, uh, nope, I'm not here for it. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not about it. Are you a big yeah, Halloween person? Um, I do enjoy like going to a good party. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy the whole dress up and, and have a little experience. Are, but... are, are you and your man, uh, a David Burke, Neil Patrick Harris, David Burke, who's just been on the pod, if I could just drop that name, uh, Neil Patrick Harris level, like Halloween fanatics? Not by a long shot. Um, not by a long shot. They definitely outdo us um, on every level, but we we enjoy the season for sure. I love that. Uh, uh, what's the, may I ask, do you have a, a Halloween costume plan? No, because we don't know what's happening this year. You know, we're, we're coming out of the, the COVID sitch, and so we're, we're not really sure of okay. the goings-ons. All right, all right. Well, yeah. I, there may be a Lucy and Ethel in my in my future. I'm just Ooh. saying. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, if you need help, Chris, uh, Heinz has launched this tomato blood costume kit. A box be- beyond containing a bottle of the Halloween-themed ketchup also has a makeup palette, sponge, dropper, makeup brush set, rhinestone sheet, tattoos sheet, vampire teeth, and spooky eyelashes. For what reason, I do not know, but it's $20 if you're really into it. <laughs> I'm not giving them any of my breath. No, uh, no Chris is not here no. for it. And the shade of it all, I think, is the perfect way to end. <laughs> Food news update. <laughs> It's just so good. Oh, my God. You know, over three years later, Food News Update still has me cackling, right? I mean, I I can't believe it's been over three years. I'm just thinking about that now. But, um, you know, I've learned learned a lot of useless information, and I hope you can take that useless information uh, and carry it through this day with you, Chris. Listen, it's it's honestly, I think, one of the, the funnest parts because you do find out things that you would have never known. And it's funny stuff. So yeah, why not? That's, uh, that's what I said. And anything, any news that's not part of the current news cycle, I think is good news for mm. sure. And speaking of news, let's dive into a little bit of last season's, you know, uh, American Baker, great American Baker. Um, were were you saddened that, that like a Mary Berry just uh, didn't do a surprise pop up? Uh, isn't she the dream? She like, is the dream. She's the dream. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely knew she wasn't gonna be there, but it would have been a really a really nice surprise had she come by and. Had a little biscuit with us. Right. Um, Felt your soggy bottom. Exactly. <laughs> I would have made that, that bottom soggy for her. But, um, you know, she's a legend. And, of course, like, everybody everybody was super happy to have Sherry Yard on, which is the person that took her place. And she's also a local legend. Uh, well, not local. She lives local to me, so I say she's a local legend. But, um She's fantastic, so. Absolutely, and Paul Hollywood and the gang. Um, What was the biggest takeaway? The biggest takeaway for me is that I can do big things. You know, like, when you you do one of these shows, I think the ultimate goal is to always come out a winner. And um, I think... My journey was really one that that showed me you don't have to be a winner. Um, you just have to make sure that what what your experience was allowed you to learn and allowed you to grow and allowed you a platform to do something with. And so I think, you know, much like every reality show, it it gives you a platform to 
continue doing what you're doing in life or to jump off from. And so um, I, you know, really just used it as a jumping off point to start a new career. I was a hairstylist when I went on the show. And so um, to, to fully transition and to start my baking company and to do more on-air stuff and to really just dive headfirst into the food scene um, was was my way of acknowledging the fact that I went on to this show and I did something big. And I can now say that I, I can allow myself to do big things in life. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's super important, whether you, whether you actually want it or, you know, your journey as from where you are and using it as a jumping pot point and continuing to win, right? Because right. yeah, you can yeah, you can do the thing, right? And yeah, maybe you've won, but what have you done? Well, what are you doing with that win? And are you continuing to win, right? And are you right. continuing to not only feed your soul but like give back, right? With the talent, you know, and right. the opportunity. You know what what I'm always curious about with this show and like the Great British Baking Show um, is that it's essentially a show where like a lot happens, but it's like a lot of like nothing happens because you're always waiting for the drama, but there is no drama. (laughs) And so it's like it's really refreshing because everyone's so nice and everyone wants to help and everyone's like and, and you're always like and me being a very large Housewives fan. So all about all about the reality drama, you know? Um, Same. Yeah, why do, you, why do you think that that in particular has taken off for this specific vein? Because every other show is drama-filled. Well, you know, I think that's a great point, and I think that's one of the reasons why people are so drawn to the show is because life can be full of drama. So much other stuff that we consume can be so full of drama that it's actually really refreshing to sit down in front of a program and watch something that's not so fueled by drama. Like, sure, there's a little bit of tension if someone's going to finish their bake on time or if it's going to collapse before the judges, you know, get to do their critiques of it. But there's people aren't really pitted against each other. Like everybody honestly does just hope for the best for everybody else there. And so I think that's what is, um, and you can feel that as a viewer, you, you feel Absolutely. that yeah. from, you know, the cast. And I think the British version did a really good job at setting, setting the stage for that and just setting, setting the platform because every iteration of the show that has spun off from the British version has really kept true to, um, true that has kept true to that type of um, feeling through throughout their their um, program. Yeah, I mean, no angry people, nothing. Every it's just all like flowers and bumblebees yeah. and daisies. <laughs> like it's yeah. just it's so lovely to watch, and it's just. It's great, and so um, it's a testament to the show and a testament to the people that they find to be on the show as well. You're a big Housewives fan, you just said. Um, I, are, are we watching, like, the Beverly Hills drama of it? Oh, I was actually... Um, I'm doing, like, a live with my friend who runs a Housewives account, and so it's been fun because I'm not... I'm, immer- I'm immersed in it, like, you know millions of people are but she really keeps me up to speed because she runs this housewives account and so whenever we are out brunching or anything she's really giving me the inside scoop on everything that's happening with erica and you know it's really interesting to do these lives with her because her whole fan base is housewives and so they get on and they're commenting and they're sending us questions and it's the most hysterical thing to see how invested these people are um, in oh, the I'm show. Oh, fully and, invested. <laughs> oh no! Likewise, likewise, we watch every week. We, you know, we read all the articles yes. and stuff. But yeah, no, yeah. into it, here for it, absolutely. <laughs> 
I love okay, it. So I wish I must take hold of the podcast for three minutes then and ask you a question. Yeah, go ahead. What are your thoughts about Rena not returning to the show? Like, would you like to see her continue as a castmate, or do you think that they just need to give her her own show because she's doing the most now? No, you know what, Rena, I am a Rena stan through and through. Okay. Rena is problematic, but I stan, okay. uh, I stan Rena, and that okay. uh, and that reunion last week where she got up and it was a whole show that was to say relevant. I, I fully believe, and once again, I really love Lisa Rinna. I am a Rinna stan. I want the, I want the lip kit. I want the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> I want Harry's acrylic nails. But I honestly and truly believe that her and Harry sit down prior to every season and, and, they, and they story art, like they storyboard it. It was like, okay. The, the whole thing. I, I truly believe it. And I've heard that from no one. Uh, this is coming. This is my opinion and mine, mine alone. There's no fact based here in your mouth listeners. But I, I think they sit down. They're like, OK, this season, you're going to be the asshole. This season, you're going to stay quiet. This season, you're going to play the fool. And I think there's been a conversation being like, OK, you know, soaps are soaps are the soaps and you've won your awards or maybe you haven't. But this is going to be your greatest acting moment in in your career to keep this okay. up and keep this arc going because if you notice every season she's different and every season it's almost a little calculated but you know what she brings it and she gives it to you and i love her and she is welcome on the pod right? okay <laughs> so you think that you think that she maybe her and harry could come on and teach you how to do the sauce teach you and yeah. the listeners how to make the sauce and remember she wanted to start that rosé wine company like there's a lot we could talk about lisa renna if you're listening yeah yeah lisa come on um okay i no i i totally see your i i can see this i see what you're saying yeah yeah i see it she looks at it more as her character for the season here's my arc this i can see this and this is what i'm going to do and like season to season she's never the same she's never like like the way she acts how how she treats certain people what she says or doesn't say right like it's it's almost too perfect and it's brilliant because she's she's great tv she's great freaking tv yeah um but like i really feel like you know what her and harry like let's let's keep the money and the checks coming in honey and let's keep you relevant and like and let's storyboard this out for you this season. Okay, what haven't you done? What would be great this season? What's the drama? Okay, what can we, you know? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to bring this up to all of the housewifers on next week's episode. Oh, my God. Like- I wish we could three-way uh, Instagram live because I would live my best <laughs> Well, maybe I'll just pop off of the live next week and you can pop on and we can tag team it. We'll, oh have, we'll DM. We'll DM about we'll, we'll DM. But back back on track and back to you. <laughs> okay. we, are, we are off the rails and we took a left turn down this yellow brick road. You know, before we close out, um, I want to talk about, because you were talking about like what you have done and you are still winning after being on the show, you know, and you've made a lot of appearances, but you also... You've also taken your platform and your business, right? Uh, battle with butter, you know, um, and do a lot of philanthropy work. And and you do a lot of giving back. Yes, you have your own business. And yes, you're you're trying to, you know, you have your career and you're making your money or in trying to make your money here. But I've noticed, like, the give back is great and in many forms. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so, I mean, I... Th- For us, it's very important to give back. I mean, we live an incredibly modest life. We don't have more than what we need, but our needs are taken care of. And so we think that, you know, when when you're at that place, when your needs are met, it's, it's time to be helpful to other people. And a lot of people nowadays go through life without having all of their needs met. And that can be something as simple as their food needs aren't met. We have a ton of food insecurity in this, um, in this nation. And it can mean something like, you know, parents can't afford toys for their kids for Christmas. And so we do toy drives every year. Um, last year we did almost 500 toys collected 
for a local charity here in LA. Um, and we do donation of Thanksgiving dinners. We do um, just all different stuff. So like right now, um, we currently have um, running, we have a, a gluten-free vegan chocolate chip cookie mix that we have available for purchase on our website. And so for every 10 that we sell, we donate one to a local uh, food bank. And so it's just kind of like our simple way of saying, we see you, we see a need, let us help in any small way. So um, yeah, that's kind of, you know, our philosophy is just, there's always a way. There's always other people that want to get involved too. So I think that's, that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing. Like if you are out there and you have like an idea to do a toy drive, maybe it's just something in your local community and you're like, I want to do this, but I don't know that many people. Well, what we do is we always create an Instagram like wish list. And so not Instagram, I'm sorry, um, a wish list on Amazon. And we make it extremely easy for people. And we post the link for the Amazon store. And so people can go on the Amazon um, affiliated link and they can purchase the toys for the toy drive and they get delivered to us. And so it's it's everybody pretty much shops on Amazon everybody can just kind of click a button. You put stuff on there from $5 to 20. And so everybody loves to feel like they're helping, especially during the holidays. And so to, to just create something in your local community, it's the easiest way to do it. And all you're really donating is your time. And, um, it's, it's, it's really gratifying to know that you are somebody that's, that's being helpful to other people at the end of the day. Yeah, and congratulations on all the work that you do and all the giving back that you do. Because throughout the even throughout the quarantine, I was seeing you were you know giving people birthday cakes to keep the celebration alive. You were donating to BLM. You had a moment for Pride with the Trevor Project. Correct me if I'm wrong. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of giving back. And I mean, yeah, I'm a true believer in karma. But when you when you have your platform, I think at least and you have and you just have this way you know it, it does come back to you it's cyclical right and, and the cycle and especially around the holidays I talked about it a lot and I still talk about it a lot on this podcast and I guess now we're starting again is that like you can make a difference one person can make a difference I, I don't make millions of dollars uh, by far right but every Christmas I you know I join Operation Santa with the USPS and me as one person, domino effects into like 20 people. And all of a sudden, we're sending toys to all these children in need from needy areas. And then I have made a difference, you know? Right. And that's how I personally can make a difference with not having a lot of money, right? Right. Because not a and lot of money not- comes out of my pocket. Right. And that's the thing, too. It's not about that. It's more yeah. about your, organi- your organizational skills. Like, let me just put this together. Let me organize. Like, let me organize a drop-off location for a a food drive. Let me organize. It's all about your organizational skills and just getting the word out there. It doesn't matter how many followers you have. It doesn't matter how much money you have. If you have the will to just be and do better, it'll happen. Absolutely. And as someone who at any given time has two to three jobs, I somehow make it work every Every Christmas, even even like the holiday season that I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not doing it this year. Somehow I get dragged back into it because yeah. somebody's like, why aren't we doing this? Why? Uh, I've already got 10 people. And I was like, OK, we're doing this again. And like, yeah. you, you make it happen because because, you know, it's it's if we've learned anything from from at the last year and a half, almost two years now, you know, it's we need we need to look out for each other and we need to take care of each other. And. And we need to help in any which way we can. And it is possible. It's absolutely possible. And so it's one of my favorite things that I've learned about you in in the deep dive that I've done. And I love that you just do all this beautiful work, um, you know, in giving back. And um, I just think it's beautiful and important. Before we go, I've been on a journey in talking about uh, gay food or queer food and what that means to you. 
And I think I want to put a little addendum onto it, too. It's a two-parter question, right? A, what does gay food mean to you, if there's such a thing? And B, how important is, is your LGBTQ, your queerness, your gayness, um, how important is that to be part of your culinary journey? You know, gay, gay food to me is really just about having representation in the um, food space. You know, I think like we were just talking about over the past two years, um, you know, there was a huge, a huge movement when it came to just civil injustice in this, in this world that we live in. And so I think, you know, a it, it caused a lot of us to look at a lot of things in life. And I think one of the things that really popped up was how, how, how much exposure that is not given to all areas of the world. And I mean by that, it's a lot of straight white men sitting at the head of every conglomerate um, that's run. And yes, I am a white man, but um, I am not straight and I am an ally of all. And so I think that when you bring that into the food space, there is a lot um, there's a lot that you can offer to the table in form of flavors in the form of who you allow to come to your restaurant in form of who you're going to cook or bake for. Um, so when you come from a, from a place of inclusion, you open not only your mind to other possibilities and, and other, other customers and walks of life into your establishment, but you also open your, your palate to different flavors. And so I think it's extremely important to have um, proper and fair representation in, in the food scene when it comes to uh, the, the queer community. Because not only are we taste makers, we're shakers, we're, we are the we are the the people that are trailblazing um, every aspect of of what's new and hot and fresh on the scene, from fashion to hair to makeup to food, and we can't forget that. And so, um, when 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 we're not um, getting the representation in a certain space, we need to be louder about that and make sure that we are. Absolutely, I love that, and I love. I love your take on it. Um, thank you to Michael Twitty, who set me out on this journey. I don't know if you know Michael Twitty, but um, obsessed. Uh, and just started us and the podcast on this journey and talking about, like, uh, gay food and queerness and food and all of that. And I just love, I love the question because it's just so interesting. And everyone, everyone's responses sometimes, right, uh, are just all across the board. And it's just, like, a really... Like, you know, interesting topic that, like, I don't think we w is often thought about. You, you know what I mean there? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a lot of fun. And, and yeah, it's why I started my journey, actually, because I didn't see myself represented in food media, as, not only as Latino, but as, um, you know, a gay Latino. So it's just uh, representation matters, representation matters, representation matters y'all <laughs> yeah and one i i do i truly believe that one day we won't have to say it but that day isn't now and so we have to continue saying it and i love that you and i both have uh, ambient traffic noise behind us that moment of honk if you love gay food <laughs> was exactly. uh, was epic to me i didn't want to interrupt you but <laughs> it was everything what a great day and great episode Chris, I can't thank you enough for giving me of your time to come kiki, to come play and laugh with me and just share. Um, it's been really, really special, and I'm so honored to have you on my Big Gay Food podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate you asking me to come. I appreciate um, your time and, and um, allowing me to chat with your listeners. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Listen, give the kids all the handles, all the websites, how they can purchase all the things, how they can, you know, find you. Let, let us have it. Yeah, so you can um, follow along on Instagram at vegan chef Chris Tucker. Um, that's my Instagram handle. And then if you 
would like to purchase anything, um, we do nationwide shipping, and you can visit our store at bettawithbutta.com. I love that. I love that. And don't forget, for every 10 cookie packs um, that Chris sells, right, they're donating to a local food bank. And so, you know, get out there and buy some. Who doesn't love cookies? <laughs> Yeah, and they're super, they're super simple to throw together. So it's a really, really uh, fun and easy mix to keep on hand for the holidays. And they're vegan, right? And they're vegan and gluten-free, yep. Hello, I'm I'm, I'm going to need some. You know what? I'm mad there's none in, my, in this apartment. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you some for having me on today. Amazing. Amazing. Yes, I'll break out the mix. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, what a great day. Go follow him. Um, it's just been such a such such a special day. Oh my god, I forgot that you were on the feed feed with Jake Cohen, friend to the pod. Epic oh, yeah. Jake Cohen. Love yeah. her. Shout out to you, Jake Cohen. Just dropping all the names today. Um, and I am here for it. I love that I have created and that um a big gay a big gay food family and that this big gay food family has also accepted me into their lives. I couldn't be happier at this moment in time. In your mouth, listeners, go show Chris all the love. Get out there. Um, if it's cold enough, I, I guess get your pumpkin spice lattes if, if that's your thing. I, I, I don't know. And with that, I think all I have to say is thank you for listening to In Yo Mouth.